Hello, and welcome back to 15 Minutes of Fascism, a sadly topical podcast covering the global rise of the radical right. I'm Dr. Craig Johnson, bringing to you this week news from Israel, Argentina, and or Switzerland, the United Kingdom, Myanmar, Germany, the EU as a whole, the United States, and a CEO in hell, that's the celebration of a dead fascist from Nazi Germany. Starting out with Israel, Israel has been seriously ramping up its prosecution and detention of journalists and others who post messages that express concern over the death toll in Israel's war in the Gaza Strip. For example, Mir Barukin was fired and put in prison for criticizing the Israeli military. This is according to the United Kingdom news outlet The Guardian. Moving on to Argentina, Javier Milei, the current president of Argentina, is currently in Davos, or at least was a couple days ago, Davos, Switzerland, for the World Economic Forum. This is a regular event at which presidents and economic leaders throughout the world give speeches about how their countries are dealing with their economies. Millet gave a speech that was about the need for hyper-neoliberal, or maybe even post-neoliberal reform, and action, claiming essentially that there is a massive global Marxist conspiracy that needs to be rooted out, not just in his country, but in many other countries. This is a turn back to old-time dirty war rhetoric in Argentina and in the rest of Latin America, which alleged that there was a global conspiracy of Marxists that needed to be rooted out and killed, invisible internal enemies. His speech was extremely critical of Davos itself. He said that the event itself had a socialist agenda, which is kind of bizarre given that it's basically a, a, a meeting place for the extremely rich and powerful, you know, people who run world banks and stuff like that. But it was a big hit among the rich and famous around the world, specifically Elon Musk, the U.S. billionaire slash tech slash communications mogul, really loved the speech. He posted about it a whole bunch. He tweeted an image of a man having sex with a woman in a fancy penthouse type place, except that all of the would-be censored parts of the woman's body are obscured by a laptop on which the man appears to be watching Javier Millet's speech at Davos. Musk's only comment on this image was, So hot RN. It's fucking ridiculous. In the United Kingdom, Rishi Sunak, the current prime minister, is facing serious troubles in his coalition specifically regarding his plans to send a bunch of refugees back to Rwanda, which might turn out to be illegal under international law, but is something that he's, you know, promised for certain anti-immigration racist hardliners in his party. This means that he is facing serious rebellion inside the party, essentially both from the center and from the far right of the conservatives. Part of this rebellion is led by former British Prime Minister Boris Johnson, who, of course, remains in Parliament like most former prime ministers do, at least for a while. This could seriously upset the balance in the Conservative Party and could conceivably mean the end of his leadership of the party. They're probably going to have to hold elections at some point, and it does not look particularly good for them. Then again, Labour Party isn't particularly powerful right now either in the UK, so who knows exactly how that will wash out. In Myanmar, a ceasefire has been reached between certain of the northern rebels in that country and the military government which seized power several years ago. The ceasefire was apparently brokered by China, continuing its you know, regional leadership in that area, 
and it means the end to a long series of battles and conflicts that emerged when the military government of Myanmar took power. There have been major protests in Germany against the apparent rise of the extreme right in that country. This is, of course, a country that has a long history of remembering and attempting to prevent the return of the extreme right, and so people are seriously concerned about the appeal and rise of the AFD, Germany's extreme right-wing slash, you know, kind of populist-ish party. These concerns are mirrored and echoed in the EU in general. The European Parliament itself has issued an alert over the spread of the extreme right on the continent. They have specifically called out what they are calling neo-fascism and populism, and are also noting that the current Prime Minister of Italy, the Vox Party in Spain, the AFD in Germany, all have proxy parties in the European Parliament, and these political parties are themselves post-fascists, neo-fascists, they're at least extreme right-wing parties, and they're extremely popular in their countries and are increasingly popular throughout the rest of the world. The European Parliament also noted the rise and resurgence of Donald Trump and his potential second term as President of the United States in the upcoming November elections of this year. And yeah, moving on to Donald Trump and his apparent success or his potential success in this presidential campaign race, the first part of the actual campaign has concluded. Donald Trump has won big in the Iowa caucus, despite basically never having set foot in the state, at least in terms of most caucus attempts. You know, the people who were contesting his nomination were in the state essentially 24-7 for the last several weeks. Trump has been there maybe a couple of times. Trump won pretty handily. Ron DeSantis came in second and Nikki Haley came in third, although DeSantis and Haley were pretty close. Vivek Ramaswamy dropped out because he had a very poor showing. You know, he basically needed a third place finish in order to continue his candidacy. Next in the Republican primary system is New Hampshire, where Nikki Haley was in striking distance of Donald Trump, but as the saying goes, there usually aren't, quote, three tickets out of Iowa, meaning that third place is useless in the Iowa caucus. This means that we're set up to see basically what anybody could have predicted two years ago, that Donald Trump is going to become the Republican nominee for the presidency of the United States in November 2024, but that the only person who really stands a chance of dethroning him is Ron DeSantis, and DeSantis is probably going to lose. Moving on to other allies of Donald Trump and what a second Trump presidency will mean and what it could look like, police in the United States are seriously investigating a statement made by Roger Stone. Roger Stone is essentially the last surviving Nixon wetworks guys, you know, people who engaged in criminal activity on the behalf of the Nixon administration. Stone was a liaison between Donald Trump and the fascists who actually stormed the United States Capitol on January 6, 2021, making him an extremely important person in the apparatus of the Trump presidency. In recent weeks, a video was released in which Roger Stone appears to discuss the potential assassination of two Democratic members of Congress. This tape was captured in the last weeks of Donald Trump's presidency, right before the 2020 election. So this is 
like right when the writing is on the wall and it seems like Donald Trump is probably going to lose. Roger Stone specifically calls out Eric Swalwell and Jerry Nadler, who are two Democrats who serve on the House Judiciary Committee. They were themselves involved in an investigation of Donald Trump for his legal favors that he gave to Roger Stone. I'm going to read you the quote from Roger Stone. It's pretty incredible. This was said to a guy named Sal Greco, who was at the time a member of the New York Police Department and was also working as a personal security guy for Roger Stone. So here's the quote. It's time to do it. Let's go find Swalwell. It's time to do it. Then we'll see how brave the rest of them are. It's time to do it. It's either Nadler or Swalwell has to die before the election. They need to get the message. Let's go find Swalwell and get this over with. I'm just not putting up with this shit anymore. If that isn't a an actual call to assassinate a political rival, I don't know what is. Finally going to close out this week like I do every week with See You in Hell, a segment celebrating the deaths of prominent right-wing figures in history. Today I'm talking about August Heismeyer, an SS officer and leader of the German military system in World War II. Heismeyer was born in 1897 in Lower Saxony in the German Empire. He was a military guy from his youth. He joined the army when he was young and served in World War I, first as an infantry officer and then as an air pilot. He received the Iron Cross, one of the highest awards that a military officer can receive in Germany. After the war, he joined the Freikorps, which was the paramilitary organization that would essentially form the basis of the Nazi movement and all of the other competing right-wing political organizations in Germany after World War I. He was deeply involved in pre-Nazi far-right attempted organizations, right? You know, like people who were trying to do what the Nazis eventually succeeded in doing. Heismeyer was specifically deeply involved in an attempted coup run by a guy named Wolfgang Kapp, known as the Kapp Putsch. After the Kapp Putsch failed, Heismeyer continued to be involved in the extreme right wing in Germany. He joined the Nazi party in 1925 after the failure of these other right wing ventures. He then went on to join the SA, the Nazis paramilitary organization, and was in charge of building up their forces in Hanover. This would be the beginning of his rising ladder climb in the Nazi party organization. He joined the SS from the SA in 1930, which was a very good career move because after the Nazi seizure of power, the SS would take over from the SA in a major internal purge called the Night of the Long Knives. Heismeyer then joined the central office of the SS in 1932 and eventually came to be in charge of certain SS educational programs internal to the organization. And he was also eventually the head of the SS central office. So this is a big time internal party guy. He eventually moved on to military operations under the SS when World War II started, specifically operating on the Eastern Front. The SS were involved both in fighting against the Soviets and also in genocide against Jewish people and Slavic people in conquered German territory in what had been Poland and Belarus. In 1940, shortly after the start of the war, Heismeyer married Gertrude Schlotzklink, a woman who was in charge of the Reichs Women's League, a Nazi women's auxiliary. And she is actually going to be featured in March because, you know, that's when she died. She died in March, not in January. 
Heismeyer remained in military command positions under the SS until the war turned south, continuing to lead military operations for the SS as they retreated against the eventual Soviet return of fire and power into Eastern Europe. He ended up commanding former Hitler Youth kids, defending Berlin against the Soviets in their last stand. Heismeyer survived the war, unfortunately. He escaped Soviet prison initially and spent several years with his wife hiding in what was then the French-occupied quarter of Germany. However, he and his wife were eventually discovered by French authorities after a couple years and were then put in prison, first for 18 months and then for three more years, due to his war crimes and as part of Germany's denazification efforts. He was determined to be a major offender and had to give up a lot of his property and also served a prison sentence. He was eventually released and became a businessman, ended up running a Coca-Cola bottling plant, which became his career for the remainder of his life as a civilian in West Germany. August Heismeyer died of old age this week in history, the 16th of January, 1979, having just turned 82. So, August Heismeyer, we will see you in hell. All right, that was 15 Minutes of Fascism, a sadly topical podcast covering the global rise of the radical right. I'm Dr. Craig Johnson, thanking Sleepy Kitty Arts and Sleepy Kitty Music for our intro, outro, and graphics. If you enjoy the podcast, please like, share, and subscribe. Please leave a review on whatever it is you're listening to this on. Instead of checking out my Patreon or the Patreon of any other creator, I would say, check out Medicines Sans Frontières, that's Doctors Without Borders, the Gaza Children's Fund, the Red Cross, or the Red Crescent. If you want to reach out to me and ask me a question about fascism that I might include on a podcast, or if you have a correction to make, or if you just want to get in touch, you can reach me at 15minutesoffascism at gmail.com. That's 15 minutes of fascism spelled out in all one word. I'm on Twitter at hist of the right, that's H-I-S-T of the right, and fascism15. And I am on Blue Sky at 15-M-I-N-S-O-F-F-A-S-C, 15 mins of fash. Thanks very much, and I'll talk to you next week.